Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Johnny Gage. I serve as one of the elders here at the church. And I wanted to use that video as an intro to what we'll be talking about today for various reasons. Number one, uh, I don't have it in my budget uh, to afford the wonderful actors that Ellen Freemian had acting out the stories for us last week. So I figured I'd use a free YouTube video. But um, this is also just a good way to see the story of Jesus come to life. So we will be in Mark chapter 2 from verse 13 to chapter 3, verse 6. It's a very long uh, passage of scripture, so I won't read everything. Uh, We'll be focusing on the story of the call of Matthew or the call of Levi. Levi is also a name that is used for Matthew in Scripture. So you'll hear me talk about Matthew or use the word Levi. They're the same person. Uh, So if I do that, don't think I'm talking about two different people. And we'll focus on the story of the call of Matthew, but also have some of the other stories in there uh, guide our time today. So before we start, please join me in a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you because you are the God who perfects those that you call. We thank you because you are a God who calls sin-sick sinners to repent and follow you. That is no different from for those of us who are in this room. All of us have fallen short of your glory, and you are still raising that call, asking us, demanding that we follow you. I ask, O God, that as we study your word today, that we would respond the way that you want us to, to respond by following you, to respond by becoming more and more like you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So we're talking about Jesus, our servant king. Jesus, our servant king. And the setting is the town of, I think, Capernaum, close by the sea, and all the crowd is coming to Jesus. And so we read in Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. It says, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reaching with Jesus, were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So that's the setting of our story today. Matthew, a tax collector, is out doing his business, doing his work. But this was different. This wasn't tax collection like due on the, uh, what, is it April 15th? Is that tax day in America, right? It's a way where we all pitch in, pay your taxes, we get good roads, we get Uh, good hospitals that are public, good public schools. That was the idea, right? But in this day, tax collection was very, very different. 
extremely different. You see, Matthew's job as a tax collector was that he worked for the empire that was occupying his home country. So Matthew was in cahoots with the enemy. For any Jew and anybody from Israel, Matthew was laying down with the enemy. He was collecting taxes. He was making the enemy rich by making his people poor. Tax collectors were hated for that. And that wasn't the only reason tax collectors were hated. Tax collectors were hated because sometimes they charged extra. That's how they got rich. Charge a little bit, skim off the top, and then send Rome its cut and keep the rest for themselves. So Matthew was not the type of person that you would peg as a follower of Jesus. Yet, as we see in our story today, Jesus calls Matthew. Jesus calls Matthew even though he knows the history that Matthew has. But even more than that, Jesus calls Matthew to a group of disciples whom Matthew may just have taxed themselves. Jesus is bringing together a great group of people to follow him. And he's not waiting for everybody to get their act together before he calls them. Jesus says to us, while we are yet sinners, come and follow me. Come, Matthew, follow me. He did it with the other disciples before, with Peter and Andrew and James and John. He wasn't waiting for them to be perfect. He just said, come and follow me. Reclining at the table. As we saw in the clip today, it says that Jesus not only calls Matthew to follow him, but in this weird twist of events, Jesus actually follows Matthew to Matthew's house. He says, you're the host. I'm coming to eat with you and dine with you. Don't feel like you have to do anything different. Invite your friends, the people you typically hang out with, those who are in your crew. I want to eat and fellowship and recline with them. Now, why is that word recline so important? Think about a dinner table. Usually for us, it's a long table with chairs. There's chairs all around and you can sit upright. But back in the day, a table at a dinner party in a home actually looked like this, a little bit of a U-shaped table, very low to the ground, so not a table that's at waist length. And this is a table where you see around, there's like blankets and pillows, so no chairs, just blankets and pillows. And the way people would eat is that they would kind of do a little lean like this, right? And you would be eating, reclining, talking with the people that you were there with. So it was a very, very intimate thing. We know that even when we invite people to our homes and we're sitting at dinner tables, it's an act of intimacy. But the way things were done in first century Israel, it was even more intimate because you were reclining with sinners. And so the Pharisees, they got upset and they were like, oh, this Jesus, he's reclining at the table with tax collectors and sinners. So they asked Jesus' disciples, why? Why is it that your, your master, your teacher, reclines at the table with tax collectors and sinners? If he truly is the chosen one of Israel, Jesus should be reclining at the table of Pharisees. 
He should be reclining at the table of teachers of the law and not at the table of a hated tax collector. A tax collector who had friends who were also tax collectors and sinners. Why is Jesus reclining at the table with sin-sick sinners instead of those who are spiritually fit? That's the question that they asked. They questioned Jesus' followers. That's a question that God still asks us today. And it depends on how you answer that question. Are you someone who is spiritually fit? Or are you somebody who is sin sick? If you're someone who is sin sick, of course, you are ready for Christ to recline at your table. But if you're someone who is spiritually fit, someone who can do bad all by yourself, someone who can save themselves for their sins, then you ask the same question of Jesus. Why is it that Jesus is reclining at the table with tax collectors and sinners? While preparing for this sermon, the preaching team encouraged me to rethink verse 15 and 16 and try to write it in language that fits us today. And so here's what we came up with. Today, we might ask Jesus that question. Jesus, why is it that you eat with Democrats and Republicans? Jesus, why are you reclining at the table with ex-offenders and people who are homeless? Jesus, why is it that you are reclining at a table with people who have a different sexual orientation than myself? Jesus, why are you reclining at the table with Muslims and foreigners, people who don't share our religion? Jesus, why are you reclining at the table with all these sinful people and I'm afraid that one question we forget to ask as we're questioning Jesus is, Jesus, why are you reclining at the table with me? Jesus, why are you reclining at the table with me? Because I am sin sick and not spiritually fit. See, the moment we as disciples decide that we are the people who are spiritually fit without being in the presence of Jesus, we become like the Pharisees, asking Jesus those questions of others, but never asking it of ourselves. Why, Jesus, have you chosen to recline at the table with me? All of us are broken. That's what scripture tells us. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has gone to his own way. There is no one who is righteous. All of us are not spiritually fit. We are sin sick. No matter how much we try to learn scripture or to be clean on our own, the sickness that we have is invasive. It's in the air. We cannot hide from it. We cannot rescue ourselves from it. The sickness we have is called sin. And when we rebel against God, all of us are sin sick. And so we cannot be like the Pharisees asking Jesus why he's not quarantining or isolating from these people who are sin sick. We come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, 
We are in need of a physician. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. Save us from our spiritual sickness. Recline at the table with us because we are desperately in need of your healing. The grace that God gives us in our passage today is that Jesus is not a God who calls the perfect. Jesus is a God who perfects those that he calls. Jesus is not a God who calls those who are perfect. Jesus is the God who perfects the called. Because the truth, if we look in the mirror and we know ourselves, we know that everyone in this room and everybody on this earth is broken. We all have fears and insecurities. We all have places where we rebel against God and what he's created us for. All of us are sinners in need of a savior. And we're glad that our savior is a God who does not call those who are perfect, but perfects those that he calls. And he's so good at it. When Jesus calls you, he's not waiting for you to be perfect or to have all your stuff together. Jesus says to you, come follow me just as you are. But don't expect to stay that way. Because once you spend time with me, and once I recline at the table with you, changes will start to happen. Things will start to become different in your life. All the sin that held you before will start to lose its power. When we are with Jesus, we become righteous, just like he is. Jesus doesn't call the perfect. He perfects the called. Proximity to Jesus means we have to be proximate to people who Jesus wants to be close with. When Jesus is close to the sinner, then as Christians, we cannot displace that person from our fellowship. When Jesus asks us to leave the things that we once held there and the things that we built our lives on to follow him, we must follow Jesus knowing that compared to all of those things, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So even when the Pharisees questioned Jesus, this new teaching about righteousness, Jesus redefining righteousness not as following the law to the T, but as being with him in intimate fellowship and relationship. When the Pharisees questioned Jesus a little further on in our passage, about why he was healing somebody on the Sabbath. And Jesus asked them, what is better, to do good on the Sabbath or to obey this law that restricts us to religion that is not from God? Jesus came to call those who know that they are not perfect. And when he calls us to his side, we begin to become perfect because we have been with Jesus. Now, the Pharisees did not like this. They did not like this at all. And so in Mark chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. They wanted Jesus out of the picture. They hated him so much. He was redefining their religion too much. He was allowing everybody to come into a place where he would recline with them. 
He was changing people's circumstances, both physically and spiritually. He was upending their visions of what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. And so they wanted to destroy him. They wanted to destroy him. And to a certain extent, they succeeded, or so they thought. You see, eventually they would succeed in arresting Jesus, but they would not destroy him. Eventually they would succeed in mistrying Jesus and bringing false charges and accusations against him, but they would not destroy him. Eventually, they would succeed in crucifying Jesus and breaking his body on the cross, but they would not destroy him. Eventually, they would succeed in scattering everybody who Jesus calls in this passage to follow him, but they would not destroy Jesus. Eventually, they would succeed in making Jesus draw his last breath, but they would not destroy him. Eventually, they would succeed in placing Jesus in a tomb with a heavy stone rolled in its entrance. They would succeed in placing armed guards in front of that stone, but they would not destroy Jesus. Because on the third day, on the third day, Jesus would rise with power and victory in his hands to do some destroying of his own. Jesus would rise with victory and authority as a servant king to destroy the grip that sin and death have over us. Jesus would rise with victory and power in his hand to destroy the shame and the guilt that we feel around our brokenness and sinfulness. Jesus would rise with power and authority in his hands to destroy every single bit of dirt that we feel is following us as we follow him. Jesus would rise to destroy sin, to conquer death, and to rise victorious so that to this day, he could keep calling people and saying, I know who you are. I know what you've done, but I want you to follow me. I know what people say about you, And I know the insecurities you have about following me because you're not perfect. But follow me because it is as you follow me that you become perfected. Jesus reminds us thousands of years later that he is still the God who does not call those who are perfect, but perfects the people that he calls. Jesus is good at perfecting those he calls. So if you hear your name, like Matthew heard in our passage today, when Jesus calls your name and says, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, follow me. John, son of Abel, follow me. Lydie, daughter of Abraham, follow me. Aaron, daughter of Trailer, follow me. Jerry, son of Fu, follow me. Izzy. Izzy's like 
two years old, so she's, she's not really paying attention to me right now. But Jesus is calling you too, Izzy. Follow me. We can be confident and follow Jesus, leaving everything behind, because we know that it is not in our power and our strength that we become righteous or become perfected. It is because we know who we're following. It is because we know who we're reclining at the table with. And we know that his presence rubs off on us to lead us into ways of righteousness and holiness and justice. But not to stop there, to go out and to call other people by name and to tell them that Jesus wants them to follow him. So church, as a church that is called to call and equip a diverse community of Christ followers, may you go into this week knowing that you do not have to find people who are perfect before you ask them to follow Jesus. May you go into this week knowing that your words and your pitch to others does not have to be perfect before you ask them to follow Jesus. May you go into this week knowing that you yourself do not have to be perfect before you call others to follow Jesus. Just call them, let them see Jesus. Bring them to the table where they can recline with Jesus and let Jesus do his thing. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's very, very good at it. Bring you this message in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. Yes, God, as we sang this morning, your arms are open wide. There is forgiveness that is bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So God, wherever in our lives we hear you calling, come follow me. God, we ask that you would quicken our steps, that you would shatter our pride, that you would humble our hearts. We ask that we would follow you wherever you go. Lord, we ask that we would call all people, all people, no matter who they are and how different they are from us, to see the beauty and the glory of our risen Christ, our Christ who could not be destroyed by death, but who rose victorious to destroy death. May we tell them the story of how Christ has turned our lives upside down. May we tell them stories of how Christ is still turning our lives upside down. May we tell people stories of how we are not perfect, but are being perfected by the power of Christ's spirit in our lives. Give us courage to do this. Give us family and friends in this church so we can do this together and never feel like this is a mission that you've called us to do alone. Help us to continue growing so that we can come to the altar and receive forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Savior. How wonderful you are, our risen Lord and King, our Savior and our Messiah. We ask all these things in the mighty and matchless name 
of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.